Street and Bridge Street. To facilitate the works, Coburg Street will be closed to through traffic from Tuesday, January 31st. Local and emergency access to businesses and residences will be maintained and traffic diversions will be in place. Set-down spaces will be provided on Leitrim Street for school drop-offs and collection and short-term parking for local businesses. See transport for CorkCity.ie for more. Thank you for your patience. On site, on call or on the road, at Opal, we have the van for you. Discover the combo Vivaro and Movano. Now with flexible payment options across the range and find the best van for your business. And now you can deliver with zero emissions in the Opal Combo E and Vivaro E Opal commercial vehicles. Now with zero emissions. Test drive the award-winning Opal range now at Johnson & Parrott Opal. A driving force in Cork since 1810. See jpmg.ie for details. St. Bridget, you legend. Original Irish rebel icon. This bank holiday centre celebrates you and every one of Ireland's modern day Bridgets. The Irish women who rock our world. Irish mammies, sisters from other misters. The Ashlings, the Stunhuns, girl squads and teammates. The fight for what's writers and the stay out all nighters. Legends all, this bank holiday is about you. So pop into Centra and pick up whatever you need for you and your crew. Centra. Live every day. You're snuggled up on your soft new velvet sofa. The one you just bought in the Easy Living Interiors Winter Sale. It's so comfortable. Just like the luxury mattress and plush bed frame you couldn't resist. Well, they were 60% off. And as for your sleek new extending dining set, everyone loves it. And you loved the price. From bestsellers to new collections, expert interiors advice to finance options and fast delivery. Reimagine your home with Easy Living Interiors. Paula Duff, Eastgate, North Point Business Park and Manpoint. Save Lens Bank Holiday Monday. The Neil Prendeville Show. You're living in an abattoir. Yeah. But is it? It's isn't not very lonely all those years living there. Well, no, you get used to it. Is it cold? Can can pretty cold, all right? Yeah. Did you never have your own flat no, or bedsit or house or anything? No, no, it's the only place I know. The Neil Prendeville Show. Weekdays from 9 a.m. Two-time gold winner at the Emerald Radio Awards 2022. The Big Red Bench. Saturday and Sunday from 6 p.m. Cork's Red FM. Good evening, folks. Very welcome along to the Big Red Bench. Ron, right here on Cork's Red FM. We're here with you for the next hour and a lot of sport to get through. And a very, very busy show indeed. We have episode four of Hear Me Roar, a fantastic guest tonight. Cork's Sunita Puspere will be talking about uh, all things rowing with our wonderful host, uh, Valerie Mulcahy. That will be coming up at about 20 past six this evening. Certainly not one to be missed. Also on the show tonight, going to look back on Cork's fantastic win last night. How thrilling was that down in Porky Cueve? And an amazing win for the Rebels against Limerick. And we're going to talk tennis on the show tonight as well. Ireland had a Davis Cup match in Peru. We're going to talk to team captain Kean Blake. You're listening to The Big Red Bench on Cork's Red FM. going to go through today's uh, action before we kick off the show. Harry Kane has become Tottenham's leading goal scorer and uh, given them a 1-0 lead against Manchester City in the Premier League. The striker passing Jimmy Greaves' mark of 266. 1-0 there to Spurs. 76 minutes on the clock. Uh, win for City would have moved them to within two points of leaders Arsenal but uh, they're huffing and puffing at the moment and uh, not getting uh, too much joy there. Elsewhere, a good one for Nottingham Forest in their battle to avoid relegation. Adam Drury. 
a sweetly struck Brennan Johnson volley ensured Nottingham Forest beat Leeds by a goal to nil the away side huffed and puffed but they failed to find a way to beat Kalor Navas who made a string of crucial saves on his debut the winner came on 14 when a Gibbs White free kick wasn't dealt with and Johnson caught the ball clean on the volley leaving Melier with absolutely no chance the win means Forest goes six points clear of the drop while Leeds remain precariously placed above the dotted line full time at the city ground it finished Nottingham Forest 1 Leeds 0 Celtic uh, nine points clear at the top of the Premiership they hammered St Johnson's today at 4-1 they're now 18 games unbeaten in the league their boss is Ange Postacoglu conditions weren't easy um, particularly the pitch and uh, yeah, we had to sort of overcome that and, and not steer too far away from our football and I thought um, you know we did that because of the nature of the game and, and obviously the, the pitch there were times we had to defend and I thought we did that really well as well which was good to see Yes, yeah, so Celtic, uh, nine points clear at the top and look well on course uh, to win the, the league this year. Elsewhere today in rugby, France surviving a scare to get their Six Nations title defence off the winning start. They beat Italy 29-24. The Champions War 24-22 down going into the uh, final stages uh, before fighting back. Uh, they'll continue their campaign uh, away to Ireland the favourites uh, next Saturday Italy visit Twickenham uh, to face England uh, next coming Sunday elsewhere today in Gaelic Games and it was victory for Cork this afternoon in Division 2 of the Allianz Football League beating Kildare today 2.14 to 7 points was the final score there elsewhere and uh, the All-Ireland Champions Kerry beating Monaghan 3.16 to 14 points in Division 1 at Pierce Stadium Ross Common came from behind to beat Galway uh, elsewhere Armagh Mayo finished 17 points apiece and Tyrone defeated Donegal uh, in Oma 16 points to 8 was how that finished Dublin drawing at Waterford today in Division 1 of the Allianz Hurling League Waterford 2-19 Dublin 3-16 elsewhere uh, Clare making light, light work of Westmeath winning 4-27 to 14 points alright we are going to start the show by looking back on Cork's uh, superb win uh, last night uh, over Limerick um the second half was just absolutely sensational stuff uh, and a brilliant point uh, from Shane Kingston to win it right at the death for the Rebels uh, we're going to hear from Limerick boss John Kiley shortly let's first hear from our Cork boss Pat Ryan yeah look look, look fantastic look I think look, we were in the game an awful lot in the first half but look um, Limerick got six great scores there with maybe the last five minutes of the first half we missed the score I think at 10-8 with the ball to 10-9 and then they got look they're very good at transitioning the ball and, and finding the spare man and they got six points just before half time and look obviously look it was a disappointing end to the first half for us but look we were delighted with our lads we showed great heart in the second half got, got obviously got 1-1 straight off and brought us back into the game and look we worked away or worked our socks off then after that to get back into it you know Look, we've a lot of fillers. We've a lot more fillers than they have playing Fitzgibbon like. So I don't think that was it. I think look, our fillers worked their socks off. We had a lot of fillers who tired bodies towards the end of it. Um, look, they've they've a bank of work done. That's five or six years time. We're we're a new or that are five or six years on the go. So they've a lot of a bank of work that's done. You know that they did before Christmas and the holidays. So I wouldn't say that. I think our fillers just stuck at it. What's the early situation with uh, Robbie O'Quinn? Um, not too sure at the moment. Look, should we get him X-rayed and stuff like that? Look, I look. Um, not too sure to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, look, like we had 15 shots, they had 14 shots, you know, and we had a lot of, look, I think, I think everyone can see that we had maybe five or six really handy wides, like, but that's, yeah. that's this time of the year, and look, we expected our fellas, look, we, we um, left them get a run of us towards us, when they probably didn't work hard enough for that six minutes, we were waiting for the, the whistle to go at half time, and look, you can't do that at senior inter county level, especially against the likes of, likes of Limerick, who are, look, look, past masters at, 
that that last couple of minutes in each half, whether it is the first half or the second yeah, half, yeah. they get a bulk of their scores and, and have won a lot of games. And that you know they, they show great mentality. And but um, look, Orfield has stuck out in the second half. We're delighted with them. Look, in fairness, they got a couple of good scores. In fairness, they came back into it. Look, obviously Robbie's injury kind of we'd a bit of momentum and that killed yeah. the momentum. And in fairness, they got those. But look, I thought look we defended manfully in the second half. I, not too sure what Limerick scored in the second half to get six points or something maybe. Yeah. You know, so look, look very proud. We we um, we two fellas making our debuts in, in the back line. I thought they were outstanding, Owen and Connor and. Uh, Along with all the rest of them, and look, it was uh, look, it was great to get the win in the end. Do you know what I mean? It was nice to get the win, but look, it's, we move on now next week to Galway. To look, look, Hoggy Tony's man the first half going straight through. I think Robbie Flynn is another great opportunity yeah. um, that went that, that just missed the post, and he got the same opportunity in the second half, and he clubbed it. Um, so look, we look, we look. I think look, if, if if we want to be doing anything this year, we have to be getting three, four goals in every match. Look, we got two today. Uh, we'd like to be getting another one if we can. You know, exactly. Look, look, look. Declan emptied the tank for us. He really worked really, really, really hard. Probably would have preferred to be on more ball himself and get more opportunities for scores. But look, he got his opportunity. You know, really fought hard for that ball and, and, and got a fantastic goal for us. And that gave us more momentum to get back into the game. And look, we missed a couple of scores, scoring opportunities after that as well. But look, there's stuff that we can work on going forward. And look, look, obviously we parked this game and we move on Tuesday night now to Galway. Well, that they're very good, I suppose, is the, is the thing. And look, that they've a lot of players to come back to. Um, look, obviously, look, they're, they're, um, look, I suppose the one thing that you, that you learn playing Limerick is that you have to try and close them down as best as possible. And, and look, they're brilliant at transitioning the ball out of defence and um, fantastic, high, really high skill levels, you know, and stuff. But you have to match them with effort. Their effort is outstanding. And I thought, look, we didn't, for about the six minutes, six minutes period before half time, we didn't match them with that effort. And they just pulled away from us in the second half. We did match them with effort and we were able to stick with, with them. And look, maybe, maybe we, we, a couple of uh, more season campaigners to bring on and got, got us over the line. We're, look, we're, we're doing our best as it is. You know, look, there's a, there's a long way from here now till the 30th of April. That's where we want to get to. And we have a lot more to work on. And look, obviously, we have a lot of fellas that have been carrying a bit of niggling, niggling, niggling injuries. That will come back now next week. We have three or four coming back next over the next two weeks. Uh, we look, we have UCC now playing next week. We have 12 fellas involved with UCC and two fellas involved with UL. So just need to manage that. Yes, Pat Ryan there uh, speaking after last night's win over Limerick and a very impressive win for the Rebels indeed. Uh, let's hear from his counterpart, John Coyley. I, I don't know. Was there... Big issue. We were level uh, with the, up to the last book of the game, so you know we were there thereabouts. It was a very tight game. Um, I think we, we we turned over a lot of ball in the second half that we wouldn't ordinarily turn up, turn over, and we'd be disappointed with that. Um, obviously, played very well in the first half. Gave ourselves good control of the game. Used the ball well. Created some good scoring chances. We were efficient up front in terms of the chances we got. <clears throat> we would have liked to have retained a bit more ball in that first half right in, inside but other than that we'd be happy with the first half performance uh, second half you know I think we just lacked rhythm and cohesion and uh, fellas got isolated on the ball that wouldn't ordinarily get isolated on the ball and um, yeah, I just think our, 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 our energy levels dropped in that second half and you know that's to be expected possibly but I still think you know, we still had enough there to, to get across the line, but uh, ultimately you know, we didn't do enough. I there was nothing there that would concern you too greatly going forward, John? Um, listen, I have to do it. we obviously have to review the tape now and just have a look back at the game and just see exactly what... I, I know we will be disappointed with some phases of the play that we just didn't develop well, you know, and that would that'd be disappointing. Um, so, you know, it'll, it'll be something I think we'll, we'll take a lot from in terms of learning for ourselves going forward. And uh, listen, we don't have long to, 
dwell on it either at the same time because you know there's another game, really tough game coming again next weekend. Have you more done, John, than you did at this stage last year? Yeah, um, we definitely have more than because we've volume in terms of weeks done. You know, we've more time put into it, but at the same time, you know, everybody else has a lot done as well. Yeah. So it's. Uh, it's not an excuse and it's not something I'd be dwelling on. We are where we're at. We know we've a lot of work to, to do to improve on our fitness levels, uh, our sharpness, our touch, uh, our use of the ball, our energy, our tackling. There's so many things that we need to, to work on. But uh, at least, you know, we, we know that now. And is it a disappointment not to have more ball chances tonight? That's not a consideration at all. But, you know, we put ourselves into, into a position to win the game. You know, we were well in it there with the last couple of minutes to go. Uh, you know, we, we would be disappointed with the way we defended the, the, the last sideline. Um, Cork shouldn't have been able to get off position as easily as they did in that situation. So right, there's lots of positives there. You know, you know, I'm not going to dwell on the, on the negatives. Uh, there's a huge amount of positives. You know, we've got a couple of good young lads out there as well that got a bit of game time in, a, in an environment that they mightn't have experienced before, which will stand to them in good stead. Uh, and hopefully they can build on that now going forward. And yes, obviously Keane coming back from injury last year, you know, he had a tough year. Uh, he's still, I suppose, on a pathway to, to full fitness and uh, full recovery. You know, he'll need to get a lot of hurling into himself now and just find that rhythm again. Uh, but I know Keane loves his hurling, enjoys his hurling, he'll find that rhythm, you know, I've no doubt. Will you use the same panel for Clare or will you have a few more come back? Oh, we, we'll have to see who, who's available, to be honest, you know. You know, there's a few fellas carrying a few little bits and pieces, so, you know, and some lads haven't as much work done as we'd like them to have done because of various issues, you know, but uh, it's all about trying to manage the group that you have and use the players that we know are, are 100% fit and those that aren't, we just wait until they are. So we'll see where we, where we are on Tuesday night and we'll, we'll go from there. Like, we, we, we got our half-time clock wrong today. Uh, that was not an intentional thing to stay out, out, off the field for 19 minutes. Uh, it was my mistake. I, I interpreted uh, the information that was available to me incorrectly and it was completely my fault that we ended up in the dressing room for 19 minutes and uh, that shouldn't have happened, but uh, it'll be addressed next week. But it was my fault, uh, but, but not intentional under any circumstances at all. Yeah, they certainly left Cork waiting last night's call for the second half today. Limerick uh, didn't matter in the end. Cork in the win and a fantastic performance. And uh, yeah, great to, to see Cork off to uh, a flying start in the league and just a fantastic performance uh, last night, particularly in the second half. And as Pat was mentioning, the goals changing the game for Cork. And yeah, fantastic stuff. And let's hope uh, Robbie O'Flynn's injury isn't too serious. And we wish him a, a very, very speedy recovery indeed. Uh, still 1 0 to Tottenham in that Premier League game. Uh, 77 minutes on the clock. We're going to talk tennis now in Ireland, playing uh, Peru in the Davis Cup. Uh, tie this weekend a tough draw for Ireland away to Peru the first time they've played, they've played at this level as well but uh, fantastic performance from them across uh, the weekend Keen Blake from Cork is the uh, men's captain and uh, he was over there and he spoke to me a short time ago uh, waiting to, to fly home back to Cork Alright, we are going to talk tennis and the Irish team are in action uh, against Peru in the Davis Cup in Peru this weekend. Delighted to be joined now by uh, Keen Blake, the men's captain, um, to talk about um, the weekend that they have had. Uh, first off, Keen, where in the world do I find you at this point? Um, how are you, Rory? Um, I'm currently sitting 
the departure lounge at Lima Airport in Peru, <laughs> ready to board a flight to Panama. Um, so I'm coming home to Cork via Panama and Amsterdam. So long journey ahead after a, a long week, but an, an enjoyable week too. Yeah, a long old week as right and a long journey home, safe trip home anyway, first off. And tell us um, a big match against Peru uh, this weekend. Doesn't get much bigger than the Davis Cup. Tell us how you get on. Um, yeah, so I suppose to give you a bit of background, it was Ireland's biggest match. It's the first time we played at this level in 40 years. Um, and a tough, tough draw, um, getting Peru away, an established tennis nation with, um, yeah, good, 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 um, tennis history as well. So, yeah, it was a tough tie, especially down here in the humidity on the red clay. Um, and yeah, it didn't go our way, unfortunately, but we were competitive. I felt we were very competitive in three out of four three out of four um, rubbers um, but I think a bit of inexperience at crucial times which is only natural at this level I mean our guys haven't played at this level um, so I think that cost us but um, a lot a lot of learnings from the week and um, looking forward to um, the next tie and uh, trying to get back to this level again mm. talk to against us. nations like Peru Yeah and talk to us about the players that you had in your team this weekend Kian. Yeah, so our number one is a guy called Simon Carr. He's actually the son of Tommy Carr, the former Dublin football manager. Um, so Simon trains in Marbella in Spain. So um, he's just after flying off to um, Madrid there now. Um, he's the number one player. Oscar O'Hoshin is our number two. Oscar's based in the States. Um, our number three player is a guy called Michael Agui. Michael is based in Berlin. And Jack Malloy is our number four. So I felt we had a good team. Um, a lot of depth to our team. A lot of kind of adjustability that we could... We could change the lineup a lot, but there was a couple of things that went against us, and it was a tough tie, as I said from the start. And I suppose Simon had been injured the tail end of last year. This was his first uh, competitive match in a couple of months. Um, Oscar hadn't played a professional match on red clay, which wasn't mm. ideal. And then the other two guys were debutants, so it was um, it was a big ask. And um, but no, proud of how they performed. Um, they left it all out there, and that's all I can ask for them. Exactly, yeah. Um, as you say, Keen, I suppose at this level it's all about experience. The experience of this week, weekend is certainly going to, to stand to those four players uh, heading forward. Absolutely. I mean, just even small things, dealing with the crowd, dealing with the press obligations, dealing, that's not the norm for these guys that are on the Futures and Challenger Tour, you know. Um, so that all that all those kind of aspects play a part, you know. So um, I think they'll definitely learn from it. It's quite a young team as well. Um, I think we'll definitely improve from it. And um, it's def- definitely whetted the appetite to get back to this level and compete mm. um, at this level again. As you say, Keen, as well, the conditions, I mean, like you mentioned the heat and, the, and, the, and particularly the humidity as well. It must have been very tough for the lads to, to play in that heat and humidity. Yeah, it was extremely, extremely tough. I, um, I did a press conference at the start of the week with, the Peru- with Peruvian TV and I kind of bluffed them a small bit by saying we'd be able to adjust <laughs> and stuff like that. But it was, it was very tough, Rory. I mean, yeah. it wasn't as much the heat, um, like it was high 20s kind of, uh, temperature wise but the humidity was something that we just don't get in, in Europe and then the other thing that we kind of probably underestimate and that we definitely want in the future is the slowness of the court Yeah. so we played on red clay but it wasn't like European red clay I mean as I said one of our guys uh, uh, Simon Carr is based in Marbella and trains on red clay all the time but he had never experienced anything how like this court it was so slow so it was playing a bit faster as the, at the start of the week but it progressively got slower which doesn't suit our players because um, we don't we don't play on slow on slow clay courts so um, yeah I mean look it's the value of getting the home tie I suppose I mean their their captain was a was a very good player in his day Lucho Horna he's a former uh, Roland Garros champion in the doubles but he played it well and he picked the right court and 
yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd do the same if it was in Ireland. We'd be playing on fast court. So that's just the value of getting the home tie, you know. Yeah, fantastic. What's next now, Kian? And next is the World Group 2 uh, playoff draw on Thursday. So um waiting to see who we who we get in that and hopefully we can we can come through that tie and get back to this level again. So um as I said, it's been a good run for this team. Um we haven't like really lost a tie since twenty eighteen and um we've gone through like I mean in like twenty nineteen we were in Europe group four, so we got through group four to three to two and now up to one. So dropping back down to two with the chance to get back to one isn't a major setback, but um definitely learning from this week and we'll look to put it uh, to improve for next time. Excellent, Ken. Thanks for joining us by a very, very safe trip home. Get some magazines or something for the flight, it's gonna be a long one. Thanks a million Rory Talk to you soon Cheers Yeah it was a pleasure Having Kean on the show Still uh, Spurs 1 Man City nil. Into time added on There get your full time score After the break Probably next we're talking uh, To Sunil Pushpuri As part of the wonderful Hear Me Roar series With Valerie Mackay Miss the show Grab the Big Red Bench podcast At redfm.ie Corks Red FM Alright delighted you could join us For the Big Red Bench Still waiting on the uh, Full time score There's uh, an injury there uh, But uh, play has resumed Still Tottenham won Manchester City now time is up Manchester City are on the attack as they, they look to get an, an equaliser which has been um, looking very unlikely but you never know but into time added on there Tottenham won Manchester City nil alright it's time for episode 4 of Hear Me Roar this um, series over the last number of weeks has been absolutely fantastic and a huge guest for episode 4 uh, Cork Roar Sneed Puspere the Latvian um doing just incredible work in the green of Ireland um, and just it was being it was a, a, a tremendous conversation between herself and Valerie so much so um, that we've decided to extend this to two parts we're playing part one of Sneed's Chat with Valerie tonight we'll have the second part on next week's show and it's certainly worth tuning in for but now we are going to play the second part of Hear Me Roar with Cork legend Valerie Mulcahy the 10 time All-Ireland winner as she speaks to Irish Roar Cork woman legend Sunita Puspray What makes sports women tick? What motivates us? What inspires us? Who is the person behind the athlete? My name is Valerie Mulcahy I'm a 10 time All-Ireland winner with Cork and a 6 time All-Star now I'm turning host and talking to some of Cork's greatest sports stars or those who have a strong connection with Cork. In this series, I'm speaking to six inspiring athletes to find out their answers to these questions. This is Hear Me Roar with Valerie Mulcahy. I got the eye of the tiger, of fighter, dancing through the fire, cause I am a champion, you're gonna My guest today is an Olympian, a world gold medalist, a European gold medalist, and also a proud Cork woman after moving here from her native Latvia. Hi, I'm Sunita Pushpur. I'm here with Valerie Mulcahy on Hear Me Roar. 
<laughs> yeah, you should just phone that. Yeah. Hear me roar. <laughs> On today's episode of Hear Me Roar, we have the first part of my discussion with Sunita as she talks about rowing for Ireland, making Corker home, her incredible successes and how the death of her sister had a profound impact on her. But first I asked her to take me back to how she moved to Cork. So we were just talking there, you've uh, settled into Cork well now at this stage. I was asking you, were you in Dublin long? And you were like, yeah, only five years. <laughs> so how long have you been in Cork? Uh, so we moved to Cork 2011, so 11 years. Yeah. Yeah, so it'll be 12. 12, I think, in March. And are you enjoying it? Yeah, like, in fairness, time's flying. So it just feels, since I picked up rowing, the the speed of the life just picked up so fast. Yeah. I feel like the years have flown by and I'm like, wait a second, how am I 40 already? <laughs> so it feels a bit unfair. But I'm nearly there with you. Um, so the more you're doing, the, the faster time seems to pass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. Yeah. yeah. Um, what's the favourite thing you like about Cork? Um, everything, really. It's kind of nice, compact uh, close to the city, close to the woods, so it's perfect. Yeah, yeah. Just you not can get anywhere you want in yeah. the nick of time. Well, not in the evenings in the traffic, but <laughs> I don't like that anymore. But uh, in general, I love Cork. Yeah. Are, are the people maybe? Would you consider people, them to be one well, of the best things? May, maybe <laughs> a few, few here and there. <laughs> no, it is. It's really, really nice. I don't. I you'd have to pay me to give me back to Dublin. To be honest, right. pay me a lot to cover the. And what about Latvia? What about going home? How does it compare and contrast? Yeah, so I probably... Well, I know no Latvians will be listening to this, so I can probably say it's safe, to be honest, here. Um, when we moved to Ireland, we were kind of like surprised how nice people were in general. And then after a couple of years, you kind of adapt. Just maybe get a bit nicer yourself, I suppose. <laughs> and warm then, up. <laughs> yeah, warm up to people. Uh, yeah, I think I feel that in Latvia, people are a bit like northern country, you know, a little bit colder in general. Okay. They wouldn't be like as polite even. Um, okay. Maybe it's the hard lifestyle or whatever, like the times are tough. And yeah. um, Is it a cultural thing? Maybe it's a cultural thing. Yeah, I don't know. At this point, I'm kind of... I don't want to throw them under the bus, but no, <laughs> at the yeah. same time, when we and every time we go, when we can feel the difference, like it's a little bit, you have to almost like toughen yourself up, okay. and almost like expect that it's not going to be like if somebody bumps into you, they're going to give you a nasty look, not say sorry. Do you wow. know, it's as uh, simple as that. Sure, I almost got run over with a trolley in a shop, and I got oh. murdered for it. <laughs> really, go on, tell me about that. But oh, there was it was last summer and. It was a worker in the shop. He was working there, employee. So he was pushing a big trolley with uh, something and I was stuck between two, you know, they put like piles in the middle of yeah. the aisle and yeah. stuff. Special and offers. it was alcohol, I think. So I wasn't going to bump into that because yeah. <laughs> I probably have to buy it all if I break <laughs> it. <laughs> and uh, I had literally nowhere to go. And he was started shouting at me like, get out of my way. Like I was like, what? Yeah, it's just things you would never kind of see here. And I don't know, maybe it's because we don't get much sun here. I don't know what's happening, but <laughs> people seem to be nicer this side of the world. Yeah. Oh, I find that actually when you come home from a trip or a holiday or whatever, you, you, it's it's a way of really appreciating Cork people again or Irish people. Yeah. There's just that warmth there, it's I just, think. Yeah, even... Our mothers, they love coming over because like, everyone's so nice. I just go run for a run in the park and then they're all saying hello to me and it's like yeah. everybody's smiling. Yeah, it must be just, I don't know. 
deep down, I think maybe we're not, but we're not on good front. <laughs> but I mean, it's small things, right? Yes, absolutely. Somebody gives you a smile in the morning and then you're just like set yeah. for the day. You know? So I was really interested when I was reading about how you almost happened upon rowing again when you came to Ireland. It was pure by chance. It really was. Um, when we moved 2006, we actually only planned to move here for a year. Uh, just, I don't know, learn the language, you know, experience yeah. what it is to live in a different country and and then obviously earn a bit of money and then move back because we were just married, uh, young family, no kids yet. Yeah. Um, so that was the plan and it co- kind of all went to bust fairly quickly because the first week we moved to Ireland and we discovered that we were expecting a baby. So, and that was like the big decision. Okay, well, do we stay? Do we go back? Because like, I mean... I haven't worked here, so I've no maternity benefits, nothing. Okay. So it was kind of, we still decided to stay and take on a challenge, having no grandparents around the corner to help us. So yes. we're kind of, we knew we were going to be on our own, but we're quite like independent anyway. Yeah. Like we're independent people and we kind of didn't think we need any help. Oh, good boy, but we were wrong. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, it was, it was a nice challenge. I'm quite proud that we kind of, got through it together just two of us so did it take that long till 2011 or 2010 before you got the citizenship was it was that how long um, was it more you thinking of whether we should stay or go home yeah if not for rowing I probably would never applied for a citizenship because like you're European citizen anyway so you can travel freely anywhere you want in Europe but um yeah it was 2011 I think just before we went to the world championships like the deadline was quite close. <laughs> and you had to have, did you have to have Irish citizenship yeah, to yeah. race for Ireland? It couldn't have been At the European World Championships, yes. It couldn't have been a case yeah. of living here for so long, no? Uh, yeah, well, I lived just enough. I lived my five years and then so you that allowed apply. You get it just, yeah. I think I could, I could only apply in April or March, but it takes so much longer to get the paperwork done. So yeah. I think there were good people helping out to kind of push the right buttons to get it Aren't sorted a glad? little bit sooner. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Sunita had actually stopped rowing before she moved to Ireland. Content with her achievements in the sport up to then and happy to move on with her new life in her adopted home. But a wrong turn on a trip to Dublin Zoo changed Sunita's destiny. Oh yeah, so we moved to Ireland. So I stopped before that. Because uh, I just thought, like, sure, I got my all, I got my medal at under-23s uh, for Latvia, and I got my, we won the student uh, university championships I meant in to 2004. Ask you that. I'll talk to you about that in a while, yeah. Okay, and uh, and I thought, like, well, I suppose I reached my potential here, so I'll just focus on family now, and was just just in love, and you know, and just focusing on on the things like work, those all those exciting things that you do, <laughs> and. Um, spending our weekends together and stuff uh, yeah so rowing wasn't didn't really ever think about going back to rowing again because yeah. uh, I just didn't think there was anything else for me and in Latvia I feel I wasn't good enough to make transition to senior level and once you're not good enough you just lose all the support and then oh, really? it's not very popular sport as well so it's kind of hard to is there less funding oh yeah there's if you can't perform you have no funding basically okay. so Kind of underage, I was good enough. Yeah, it really is. Underage, I was kind of good enough to get some funding, uh, but then in senior level, it just wasn't fast enough. And, and that's like, it. You no. have to work. Basically, you have no way around because yeah. parents can't support. Like in Latvia, 
you won't see many parents supporting their kids at yeah. age of 20. So it's yeah. like once you're 18, get out of the house. Quite you different go. Ireland. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. Yeah. Us. yeah. Um, so you came to Ireland, you took a wrong turn in Dublin. Uh, yeah, so I already, we already had Patrick then. And I was pregnant with Daniela when we, the same friend that's visiting me now. So we went to the zoo and we took the wrong turn. Well, actually, might have been a different friend. Sorry. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I have more friends. We can thank her. <laughs> uh, so when we went, we decided to go to the zoo and we missed the turn to Phoenix Park and we went straight to Island Bridge. And I was like, hang on a second, there's lots of boats in the water. What's, what is this? Yeah. And uh, just, and then we figured out that one of the Casper's colleagues at the airport, his son was rowing in commercial. So we got a contact and once, after about four months when Daniela was born we yeah. were in the club and, and that was it amazing isn't uh, it yeah, yeah do you think you would have thought about it at no. all had you not seen it no I don't think it ever would cross my mind to go back rowing never I'd say yeah That's it crazy. was just a spontaneous oh we're going to come back here once the baby's born and we did and uh, then it kind of escalated fairly quickly after that I was going to ask um, did you find that your performance was enhanced after having a baby or uh, it's hard probably for you to compare now because you have been out of the sport for a while I think I definitely got stronger okay yeah physically I got stronger or maybe I just never tapped into my strength before but okay. um, like my ERG scores dropped by like good 40 seconds what scores? it's the rowing machine oh yeah yeah so it's kind of a very measurable fitness tool yeah. for rowers like you do your 2k test and you know where you are yeah. and then you do one few months later and then hopefully you're yeah. improved it's like a VO2 max of on the rower yeah it's a pretty yeah. consistent as well yeah. like it's not dependent on weather conditions or anything so yeah. it's just you just sit there and you can do what you can do yeah. so and um, my erg scores dropped fairly rapidly at that point once I started training yeah. a little bit more so that was kind of like oh interesting I think I did my first erg score after about five weeks uh, after I started training yeah. Daniela was born in January and I did it in March so and it was kind of it was off my my previous best at that time but okay. it wasn't that far off that I didn't know I can break it Yeah, and uh, I broke my previous best then in I think it's September or October and then after that just kept chopping off bits and yeah. bits off it Um yeah, it was encouraging because I thought, like, if I can do this with very little training, what can I do if I train yeah. more? And then it kind of step by step, you just get curious almost, you know, and yeah. just keep going. <laughs> training to compete at the top of any sport is difficult, often lonely, and rowing is no exception. I asked Sunita to talk me through what her training schedule is like when she's preparing for a championship. She admits it's not for the faint of heart. Can you tell me, like, the day of life of rower preparing and training like how I was talking before and uh, to one of the girls in Skibbereen and it's so intense it, yeah it is like rowers consider <coughs> excuse me rowers are considered to be crazy people <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah you basically do your when during the heat of the preparation you're doing your 14-16 sessions a week so you can do your three sessions on Monday, two sessions on Tuesday, three sessions on Wednesday, and so on. So yeah. you kind of keep. And what do those sessions consist of? <clears throat> well, so on Monday, for example, 
we used to do you do your long session it could be long steady state like 20 24 to 28k it depends what block you're in <laughs> then you do your weights and then you do another 10k like a threshold piece or something and then on tuesday there's usually two longer sessions so you do 24 to 28 in the morning and then you do your monitoring sessions in the evening like around 18 to 20k it's a lot of mileage you do, you'd be doing like 40 50k days and then and how long does it take to do that so um, go on the rower and you're doing 20k how long on the rower it's shorter it's like just a bit over an hour like hour and okay. 20 as um but are you going on the water, water so? it's longer yeah, yeah. you you move slower on the water so let's say 28k for me in a single would be two and a half hours and then so are you literally going up and down the same for two stretch? and a half hours yeah yeah and turning, how do you do that? <laughs> With the oars in the water. <laughs> that you already will get out and swim. <laughs> yeah, it's quite, um, God, the, the thought process in your head in a long session. It's like, just get to the corner. You get to the corner. Yeah. Just get back to the other corner now. And <laughs> just like, I keep know, going. It's like baby um, yeah, sometimes you just get out and you just know what's ahead of you. And it's like, oh, this again. But then once you get in it, and if you you need to kind of get your head around it every day, so it's it is crazy. Like, yeah. You know, you've been to how many Olympics? Three. I've been to three now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you were at the World Games. Can I ask you, were you in Daegu in South Korea? No, that wasn't. Um, I was at that in two thousand and three. So I was wondering how it was. No, that was two thousand four. It was student world championships. It oh, wasn't the games. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. It was a cha- straight after Olympics. Um, we went in a double with another girl, and we were convincingly we won. And everybody kept asking, why didn't you go to Olympics? <laughs> Just didn't qualify. So. <laughs> Simple as. <laughs> Simple as, yeah. What's um, the difference for you in the singles and the doubles? How different is it? Like, obviously, it's probably world apart. But yeah, it's very different. You like. I was I used to be scared of the single. Um, mm. I used to absolutely dread the thought of racing the single. But then I learned oh, yeah. to love it. I don't know. Just you're on your own. You're nervous. There's no one to talk to. You're gonna. You have to be mentally really tough. Yeah. And I don't think I was in the beginning. Uh, but that was 2010, maybe uh, 2011. We raced in a double, and then 2012, I got back into the single. Um, yeah, just the mental toughness. I think okay. I, I wasn't quite there yet yeah but I had to do it I felt and I felt like that was my only option to qualify for for Mm. Olympics and it was a gamble and it was quite close one because I jumped into the last train and took the last seat yeah um in 2012 yeah yeah that was a bit of a gamble but you were the only roar I was the only rower, yeah, and that was against the odds because on a paper I shouldn't have qualified. It okay. was just like crazy power of will, I suppose. I don't know. Yeah, um, yeah and here we are now. <laughs> the Olympics, obviously the last Olympics was very different given that it was um, postponed and then with yeah. COVID there was no one around to watch really. Very different experience, but do you, what do you take from each of them? The first one, London, was amazing. Loved it. Uh, I mean, I had pretty much the same result in all three of them, but the London was magical. It was just the effort it took for the, for me, for the whole family to get there it was phenomenal. I mean... But it's only over the road. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean. Yeah, it's only that simple. <laughs> then take your boat and off you go. Um, yeah, I mean, we did sacrifice a lot for, for London. I mean... We had no money. Right. Like I was not funded at at some points 
in the beginning. Um, so we had to, like, our credit card was used up to the, the bottom. Like, yeah. there were days when we had to pick, okay, is it fuel or food? Fuel to get to the lake or food yeah. for children. Uh, it was really tough. And I feel those are the little things that you don't really think about on a daily basis that you've done for for the sport to well, get where you are. And you should, because they are massive things. <clears throat> they are massive. Like, I remember Casper said, Danny opened the fridge one day and said like, oh, there's nothing in there. That's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> it's wow. like, I wasn't there, obviously. I was training, yeah. you know, consumed with my own dreams and yeah. all, all these things as he was there to see it all, like, raw yeah. and happening in front of his eyes. But, but then obviously, like, tried hard, proved myself and got myself funded and then things started to get better. And uh, it took a while before you obviously feel the benefits of having funding once you've paid yeah. off all your debts and everything. But, but the funding isn't even massive, it's just... Survival. It was in the beginning, no. So yeah, the funding in the beginning was like the minimum. Uh, but we were so happy to get that because we knew that's going to be, for us, that was massive support, you yeah. know. Um and then, obviously, I started performing better and so the funding got better as well. So then we said, OK, yeah. now we're talking. Yeah. <laughs> it, it was still not big, but for us yeah. it felt huge because we had nothing before. Um, so that's London and that, yeah. that hardship to get there. And I know now what you mean by it is yeah. the hardest to get there. And then 2016. Oh, God, that was a nightmare. Yeah. I felt like it was so unfair because I was such a different athlete and way faster, way better. I got my few medals in between there. So I started kind of making my mark on the international scene. So I was making A finals consistently, odd B final maybe, you know. Um, yeah, so I was disappointed not to qualify for Rio in 2015. So I missed out because I just had a very stupid race plan for that race. And, and t- how did it come all down to one race? Um, so it's the World Championships. That's the only place when you can qualify. And then there's the last chance regatta a couple of months before Olympics. Okay. So if you don't qualify the year before, you're kind of sitting on the living on the edge for yeah. the entire year later yeah. to qualify to Olympics in the last chance, which I did in London. And yeah. so I had that experience of the pressure of the regatta. Uh, yeah, but 2015, I was like, I was fit, I was strong, I could have qualified but I don't know why I mentally probably just put so much pressure on myself that I burnt out or something so on a day when I should have performed and be a bit smarter with my race plan I went stupidly out and I was leading all the way out until like last 200 meters and then I was beaten by everyone (laughs) so that was painful it's it's still painful to watch that race but do you watch it back I watched a few times just to kind of show how stupid I was and remind myself that the good race plan is the key. Okay, all right. Well, then <laughs> it's a hard lesson to learn. Like, yeah. yeah, it's a lesson rather than just uh, punishment. Yeah, no, it's a lesson. And, uh, well, it's easy to watch that when you have a few medals in your pocket now. Yes, you're just yeah. like, <laughs> stupid. <laughs> okay, so that's 2016. Yeah. And was that race, the one that you mentioned, the, the bad race plan that you had a huge learning from, um, was that that final race that, Final regatta, or was that? No, that was the year before. So the final regatta, it was fine. I was fit and ready to fight, so I finished second. So I booked my spot yeah. nice and confidently there for the Rio. But the Rio Olympics was another disaster because the weather conditions kind of threw the spanner into the works they for, the, for the draw. Oh, we it was unsafe to row. It was okay. really unsafe. There was one, there was a footage somewhere that. 
at one point in a race I was sideways across my lanes and I had to do one arm rowing in the race to get myself back into my lane and keep going it's it was dangerous like yeah. it, it was I don't know why officials like this race I suppose the the time scheduling the so time scheduling the money the broadcasting and all that kind of stuff so yeah it's kind of sometimes it's ridiculous how at the Olympics everything comes down to that mm. all your four years of hard work comes down to Factors broadcasting rice yeah. yeah so you just kind of like cheers for that see you later <laughs> yeah so it was very unlucky um, and I ended up in a really really strong quarterfinal uh, with two medalists in it and another girl that was a legend of rowing so she beat me on that race and I beat her at the qualifiers she beat me at the quarterfinal yeah. so I didn't progress through the semi so that was kind of painful enough experience um, and yeah. then you had your great two years like, 17 I, wasn't great 17 well, I was kind of yeah and then it kind of okay so 17 wasn't great and did you reassess at the end of the year <laughs> yeah the end of the year was fine I finished fourth of the Worlds but the, the beginning of the season was kind of more figuring out there was a lot of changeovers with the coaches it was all kind of very messy yeah. um, and then it took me a while to start to trust the new coach and then by the time I did it was the end of the season so we yeah. kind of really peaked for that World Championships and then I finished I went uh, with the goal to be top nine to qualify for funding again for next year but I ended up being fourth and missed out on medal by less than a second so that was kind of it was a bittersweet because I knew if I actually Had got the medal it'd be great but yeah. but at the same time my goal was top nine so you kind of count your blessings you know yeah. um, and then that was the regatta when I was like okay I'm sick with this I want to win next year and had so I did <laughs> yeah yeah got myself some talking <laughs> um so so what was the big change besides maybe some of it was like getting your head in the game but it was a lot of factors I think yeah, it was what the, you think? the coach the trust what it was another think? coach again so yeah. we changed oh, the coaches again. and then I was so fed up with all this change I was like okay look I'm a big girl I can trust myself a little bit more so yeah. I was like I'm not going to get affected by that anymore so kind of Gave myself another talking there, <laughs> not to stress about things as much. Yeah, um, it was a change of the program um, mindset a little bit. Um, like were these changes for the better? Sorry, were these changes that they were implementing? It didn't feel like it in the beginning that they were, because it feel, felt like the changes in the program were really drastic, and yeah. that that's the sixteen session program. That's where like you're three hours on the water and stuff. Yeah, and I was like, yeah, no way, I can do that. And and then Have family and <laughs> yeah, yeah, and just like I was like, yeah, good luck with this. I'm not doing it. I'm gonna do my own thing here. <laughs> and I did for a while. In fairness, I kind of only fully accepted the program in February, so which was 2018. And it wasn't quite as heavy as it was the couple of years later. The next, like, 19 and 20, yeah. the program kind of escalated a little bit by a good 20%. Um, so, and yeah, I was kind of like, all right, it's, I suppose, more fun doing these sessions with somebody else, not not doing my own thing alone. You know? yeah. So I just kind of, okay, I'll, I'll do it, fine. And, yeah, it just gave me another gear. And I think the intensity was, like, I'd say about 50% more than we used to do before. So, oh. like, we only had a few steady sessions per week and the other sessions were all, like, work sessions. The intensity was kind of from lower end of intensity to, yeah. like, AT sessions and stuff. Um, 
but yeah, it just gave me a lot of confidence that like, look, if I can survive that training, I can do a good race. Yeah. <laughs> so the racing was almost like easy a, part, is it? A easy part, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you just get it's only one two k to do instead of ten. So yeah. yay. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah. eighteen was unreal for you. It was good, yeah. Like I, I was injured as well, so it wasn't all like roses, you know. But yeah. The end of it was so sweet. Like the winning the worlds was just like amazing. Yeah. Because uh, I knew the girl that that was unbeaten up until that point. She was beating us all by a good margin, and and we were like, oh, how does she do that? And then just through the season, just getting closer and closer to her, it was exciting. Yeah. And then once we got into the last camp at the worlds, like that, I w- she was the only thing I was thinking about. Like, yeah. It's like, yeah. That's that's her beside me. So beat her. You and know? Did you have a good sense before the race? Like, had you um, this feeling of yeah, I can do it? Yeah, I was kind of I was confident after the first few rounds. I'm funnily enough, the closer I go to competition, the less my confidence my confidence just goes, and yeah. all I need is confirmation from the numbers. So David, my coach, used to walk around with a book and he was like, "Look at all these numbers. You're doing fine. Just go yeah. into your race." Um, and uh, I took a lot of confidence from the heat, the semi, because I could see the times and I could analyse them a little bit. Yeah. Not too much, obviously, because you only race your own race. Yeah. Uh, but it looked good. And I think that gave me a bit more confidence as well yeah. to, to feed from. And once I got into the last race, I was just focusing on my race plan and that's all. While Sunita had those good years in 2018 and 2019, privately, she was going through turmoil. Her sister, Anessa, was diagnosed with cancer in 2017, passing away less than two years later. It took a huge emotional toll on Sunita. How tasked are those race plans? Like, well, I have my own and I'm selling it after I'm finished. Because okay. <laughs> okay. okay. it's been working well so far. Um, I can be your agent for that. <laughs> yeah, please. But uh, is it like, it's like the running races, you know, when, you, when you're from the outside and you're not in that sport, you don't quite know no, you what don't. they're doing. Yeah. And... Like, do you break the race down into what, four or five segments or how do you, without so, giving it away? <laughs> yeah, you do break in a few segments. Yeah. <laughs> There's a few <laughs> markers on the, on the course and you just kind of like, okay, this is my call, this marker, that's that's that. And, yeah. that. and so you kind of break it down that I broke mine in like seven, I think, segments. And then once you get to the first marker, you're just like, okay, next one. Yeah. And then you're so focused on just getting from one marker to another that yeah. you don't actually notice the race go by. Yeah. But in that race, because I was kind of leading already halfway through, I was like, oh my God, I'm a, I might actually win this thing. And yeah. then just like, back in the box, come on. <laughs> and yeah. just stop thinking about Work. it. Yeah. And just keep focusing again Process. on your strokes, on your technique. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was great. I really enjoyed it. And do you think that success then helped you with confidence or what was it that, that you were able to do back to back which is a very hard thing to do yeah you see the next year looked very very different as uh, 2018 almost felt like you just have to get through the training and it, you'll be fine as mm-hmm. 19 kind of threw a few curveballs at us um, in what way um, so my sister got diagnosed with cancer 2017 and 2018 she was still okay she was kind of going through treatments and fine yeah. and 2019 towards spring she started kind of going downhill yeah. and that's where kind of I got harder because um, obviously I wanted to be there You went back to, to Lafayette didn't you? I did a few times yeah but it wasn't ideal because it's like pre-Olympic qualifying year so it yeah. was like tough because we were doing all the training to yeah. to qualify for the Olympics and 
Um, so we went to Europeans that year. That was in May. And I said, like, well, I'd like to go and see my sister after Europeans for a few days. So I did. Um, she was still kind of, she was in a wheelchair at that point already, but she was still kind of decent enough. Yeah. So we could, like, drive places. I could help with the wheelchair to get her in and yeah. stuff. And um, And then I came back and I thought, like, well, she might get better, you know. Maybe. And she was, I think, quite hopeful till the end. But um, and it was tough to kind of keep training and getting calls from my mom. Oh, she's getting worse and uh, this and that. And then at one point in the morning, I got so stressed that, okay, I'm flying now. Yeah. And then Casper booked tickets while I organized, told my coach that I'm going. And they kind of knew that it might happen. So they were... Ready, yeah. So like, okay. Um, so I went for three weeks, which is like, during the yeah. summer, unheard of. Like, if somebody goes away yeah. and still intends to race that season, so I'm kind of grateful that they trusted me that I'll do as much training as I can. Yeah. Uh, I missed like a World Cup, but that was fine, and it was rough there anyway. So yeah. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> like the the rough yeah, no, I don't really like rough water, and um, so yeah, that was a. Obviously, because I wasn't training in the center, my confidence will boom yeah. down to the ground because I was like, look, just go and qualify the boat. Like, I, yeah. I needed to come top nine to qualify. Um, and uh, so I spent three weeks over there trying to kind of fit in training around, trying to ca- care of, for her. And yeah. she was on a bed already at that point. So kind of sh- she really went downhill very fast. Um, so that was May and I was there like end of June, I think middle of the June yeah. something like those, those kind of dates did she understand your need for training like was she aware of the level that it takes to be elite so did that alleviate any she gates? was surprised to see me again she was like oh why are you here again and we obviously wouldn't tell her that yeah we didn't I was like oh yeah that just gave me a time off so I just went yeah. here um, obviously like I I never really went to discussion with her about like why I'm here Yes. And suddenly, because I've never been at home during the summer, it's a okay. race season. It was unusual. And uh, she didn't ask any questions after as well. And she yeah. was like, she was on drugs for so much time that she was out of it. And it was kind of, you just sit there and like, be just almost her. watch, yeah, be yeah. with her and stuff. Uh, but would she have been sporty? Uh, she used to be maybe when she was very young, but then she she got her kids when she was much younger than I was, so she yeah. was kind of more like you know okay. having children. So she had three boys, yeah. And she um, passed away what month? She passed away eleventh of July, and I was away doing my session at that time. My three ten minute pieces at threshold IPB'd. I remember that day very vividly. Yeah. And uh, so and then I went home. They didn't even call me when I was training, so. Then I went home and then I was told. And I was, I, I remember that day I was like sitting in my sister's apartment in the kitchen saying, I don't really want to go training, but I suppose I have to. So I thought, okay, I'll do the quick session and then I'll come back. Um, so yeah, and by the time I came back, she was gone. Maybe that's for the best because my husband said like it wasn't nice. So he yeah. was there with her as well. So. Right. It was tough. Um, it was really tough just to feel guilty for training and to feel guilty for not training at the same time. Yeah. Because it was such like... You're well, so that's torn. why I asked, would she have understood that 
the need to keep the training up as an elite uh, athlete? Yeah, I, do I don't know. I never asked. I yeah. don't think she fully understood my obsession with rowing okay. in general. Because okay. <laughs> I actually read about uh, yeah. your, your parents weren't really keen on you rowing. Yeah, they my mom, she didn't did. want me to do it and at all. And you just yeah. went off and did it. Yeah, I went off and did it. I'm very stubborn. Like, I think yeah. you need that, don't you? For yeah, you really to do. Make it, yeah, I feel. you do. So stubborn yeah. slash determined. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a and a bit stupid <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was a tough summer, and then I was, when she passed away after a funeral. A few days later, we went home, and another few days later, I was on a camp already training for the last championships. Yeah. So and did she motivate you? Were you motivated to do it for her? Um, I found it really hard, but yeah, I felt like look, she suffered so much through the illness. All I need to do is just suffer a few sessions, like you know. Yeah, it was just like. She has a way worse, like, stop complaining, just get on with it. You seem to have a lot of perspective, um, like, you've mentioned that a few times. You know, I'm trying to, it's a big thing, isn't it? The psychology and the mindset of spinning things to make it, like, be a positive. Not do you always. Find that? You don't always do that? No, sometimes you just kind of, like, oh, this is all so bad. And then you kind of, but then on the other side, <laughs> yeah. like, a day later, you're just like, <laughs> okay. look. Maybe that was good. Yeah. You know, all the times I got beaten, it's it's hard to take. Yeah. But then you do learn a few lessons from it. That's the key, and isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Some some lessons take learn take longer to accept, obviously. Yeah. But you 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 try to find it. Yeah, you, I suppose you do try and find positive spin on everything. That brings an end to the first part of Hear Me Roar with Sunita Paspore. A huge thanks to Sunita for her time and for being so open and honest with me. The second part of the conversation airs next Sunday and we talk about the Olympic Games in Tokyo, the pressure on her in the lead up to the Games, what happened on the day and how she dealt with the disappointment in the aftermath. So I went into the doctor and obviously like I thought, oh, maybe I'm dehydrated, you know, stupidly just yeah. finding out things that you can it's fix quickly. <laughs> yeah, hanging on the last straws there and I was like, I was on Dior, I don't know how many of those I had that day. And I was just like trying to pump myself up and like, oh, I'm dehydrated now, but now I'm fine. So you're going to the race like, and uh, for sure I was was gone already. Like, and yeah, yeah, it was really hard. Hear Me Roar was presented by me, Valor McKay, and produced and edited by Rory O'Hagan for Cork's Red FM. Music was by the wonderful Jack O'Rourke. Thanks to my friends at mygames.ie who created a beautiful memento for each of my special guests. Gorev Magot as Clusa Hurt Domanov, Agusbeg Meg Heintlev Gulua. Slan.